Bay Area Panthers Pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Randy and Evan Kiddings. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Bay Area Panthers Pod. A very special edition, Mark Randy, because mm-hmm. we have playoff football bound for SAP Center this upcoming weekend. The first playoff game in franchise history is going to take place on July 23rd. 305 kick from SAP Center in San Jose, California. So this is a postseason edition officially of the Bay Area Panthers pod. And we got a lot to get into, Mark, that I'm excited about. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as always. Mark, what's going on, man? You ready for some playoff football? I'm fired up. And to have it at SAP, it's going to be great. I think, Evan, you know, being there at every home game, I know you also were at a game on the road, but being specifically at all of the home games, you could kind of see support for the team grow week after week. I know the team won their first game of the year. It was an incredible win over Arizona. But you know, at that point, first game of the second year that this team has played in its history, there wasn't a ton of people in the area that, that knew about it, or at least those that did knew that they only won one game the year prior, and it wasn't you know a, a super popular event. And, and not to say that SAP was sold out their most recent home game, um, but you saw the the support for the team continue to grow week after week. I think that the last home game, the win over Duke City, or, or pardon me, uh, the one before that for Bay Area, uh, the win that clinched the number two seed in the West, the win over San Diego where they put up 75 points. I thought that was the best crowd we've seen at SAP for a Bay Area Panthers game. So I am just really looking forward to, of course, seeing the Panthers in person, in a playoff game, first time in franchise history, but just seeing what the crowd support is going to be like at SAP um, because nothing really fires up football fans like postseason football, and to do it at home in SAP in your home building is going to be a lot of fun. So I am really looking forward to that. Sunday can't get here quick enough. For me, we'll have the game, of course, on 95-7, the game which I'm looking forward to. Um, but yeah, I'm just really excited to, to get into some postseason football. And to kind of put a, a bow on the regular season, the Bay Area Panthers finished 10-5, and five, so second place in the Western Conference. After this past weekend, they beat the Duke City Gladiators down in New Mexico by a score of 44-35. to 35. Uh, Everything went well in that game, Mark, from my evaluation, because you didn't have to play Dalton Sneed. Uh, Felix Harper, your backup quarterback, was into that game, of course, for precautionary reasons. I thought they did a really good job, Dixie Wooten and Rod Keefe, putting their heads together and rotating guys in and out. Didn't see anyone go down of note. That was you know, an, an injury. You never want to see that happen the last week of the regular season. And that was because, of course, the game played Sunday was after they found out that Northern Arizona had clinched the, clinched the number one seed on Saturday with a victory. And so now the Western Conference semifinals match up as follows. The Arizona Rattlers are hosting the Northern Arizona Wranglers, the same team they beat in the last week of the regular season. But your Bay Area Panthers will host the Tucson Sugar Skulls. And again, July 23rd, that's a Sunday, 3.05 kick at SAP Center. Go get your tickets at BayAreaPanthers.com because you're not going to want to miss it. And it is a very interesting matchup that I want to get into in just a second, Mark. 
But when you think about the second season that's been wrapped up for the Bay Area Panthers, especially from where they came from, one in 15 last year, you know, week one win and then 15 straight losses. Now to the point where you've seen them at certain points this year win six of seven, seven of eight, pile up victories. They've been very good at home. 10 wins this year in their second season, a complete 180 in my mind. And now with a chance to get in the dance and potentially win an IFL national championship, that is all you could hope for. And so, you know, I I just feel grateful the fact that I've been able to, along with yourself, you know, witness this kind of turnaround from Bay Area. And, um, you know, I want to ask you what you've kind of taken away from this second season, considering, you know, frankly, the first season that we saw with the Panthers. Yeah, I remember after the first season and then in the off season and leading up to this year, we had, you know, a number of members of the front office on. We talked to owner Roy Choi, president of the team as well, Scott McKibben, and kind of asking them their thoughts, the the ideal path of the franchise. Like, all right, year one, you know, it's a feeling out process. Of course, you want to be competitive and it would be incredible if you could make the playoffs and and compete for a championship in your first year. But largely the sense you got from everyone, you know, of importance inside the Panthers organization is that's just simply not realistic. Um, And last year was particularly difficult, but you expect a step forward. But I remember asking, again, multiple people, all right, so, so what's the goal for year two? Is it just improvement? Do you hope to win five games? Do you want to, you know, be a playoff team? Do you want to win a championship? Of course you want to, but what's like the ideal realistic goal? Like obviously, you know, you're Roy Shaw, you own this franchise, at least you own a majority stake in it. Like at what point, what what's the minimum accomplishment that you need in year two for you to feel confident about this investment moving forward? Um, because I mean, this is a, a smaller professional football league. There's, there's no hiding that's probably not the safest investment in the history of investments. So what do you need to see from your team, you know, the second year? And at least in my opinion, obviously you don't always get the, the most straightforward answer. And it's certainly their prerogative to not tell you exactly everything that they are working on behind the scenes. But it seems to me, Evan, if you were to get an honest answer to that question during the last offseason leading into this year, I don't think they would say second seed in the West. You've been one of the best teams in the league all year long. I think this was a a major uh, over accomplishment of a season for the Bay Area Panthers, at least regular season there's still games to be played and and they hope they can do more of course and it seems like they at least have a good chance to win a playoff game um but in terms of just the regular season obviously expectations were high considering the talent that you brought in um but i think this team exceeded expectations at least from a what do you expect from the second season of of existence of this franchise i think this team did better than than many could have been realistically hoping for yeah, you you never want to assume, but you know, there was somewhat of a precedent I guess set kind of last year with Northern Arizona being a team that went from in its inaugural season to on the outside looking and although they did capture more than one victory in their first year to then their second season winning it all and a lot of members of this current Barry Panthers team were also a part of that yeah. kind of 
flip. So that is certainly something to to kind of keep in mind, I think, as well. But I think you're right. Like Roy Choi and Scott McKibben, although I'm sure hope for improvement, um, I don't know if they necessarily projected this team to be one that was coming into the last week battling for potentially the first seed in the Western Conference on top of the team or trying to get over the team that was the lone uh, franchise selected above them in the preseason coaches poll, the Arizona Rattlers. So, you know, they were expected to place behind Arizona. They did, but the way that it came down to the wire and the way that it happened, I think was a little more than I could have hoped for. And just to see the way that this team competed week in and week out also got you know, some, some aid throughout the season found its identity, uh, may have even by the end of the season found a kicker, which we can get into. Um, (laughs) but also to the point, Mark, where we're talking about multiple players on this roster being up for awards, like most valuable player, offensive player of the year, you know, all team in the IFL, that is the kind of turnaround that we're discussing. Whereas last year, you know, we certainly saw some flashes. We saw some potential, saw plenty of production, but to see it now carry over for a 15 game regular season uh, has been absolutely stupendous. And these players, which we can get into deserve all the credit in addition uh, to the front office, of course. Yeah. hundred percent. Something that stands out to me as well, which I think is, is kind of the, the cherry on top of this, And again, there's still a a ton for this team to accomplish, but looking specifically at the regular season. So Bay Area finishes 10 and 5, 15 games, 12 of which were in conference, 9 and 3 in those conference games. And obviously the bottom of this conference isn't great. It's, It's just what happens at the bottom of conferences, but it's certainly better than the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I mean, Iowa went 3 and 12, Tulsa went 2 and 13. Those were the two worst teams in the IFL this year in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but but the top of the Eastern Conference, incredibly talented. Frisco 13-2, and two, Sioux Falls, Massachusetts, and Quad City kind of all beat up on each other. They all went 9-6 and six to close the regular season. Massachusetts had kind of a tough close to the regular season, but they were one of the better teams all year long. You look at Bay Area's schedule. Again, 12 of their 15 games were against Western Conference foes. Which three teams did they play or which three games out of conference? Who, what game, what teams did they play against in those three? Two against the best team in the league, Frisco, and the other against Massachusetts, who was the really the number two in the East all season long until, as I mentioned, a, a late season skid pushes them down to the three seed. Sioux Falls surpasses them, who's a very good team in their own right. But Bay Area didn't get any favors by the schedule makers this year either. They gave them perhaps the most difficult schedule in the entire IFL. They played Arizona twice. Of course, that's a conference foe. You expect that. They played Frisco twice, and they played Massachusetts on the road in the Eastern time zone early in the year. I don't think you could put together a more difficult schedule for a team in its second year of existence. So the fact that Bay Area went 10-5 and was in the running for the one seed until the very final week of the regular season And they did that while going up against perhaps the most difficult schedule in the entire NFL, uh, major success. This this regular season uh, deserves nothing short of of a round of applause. They did an incredible job. Now, all that said, there's still a a ton left for this team to accomplish. But I think just considering everything that they overcame, it also wasn't a fully healthy year. Really, they, they suffered a lot of injuries at a number of key spots, not quarterback, thankfully, which is good 
of course, and it was the main reason why they had this success. Um, but considering some of the challenges of this season that were really out of their control, I think it, uh, it, it elevates the accomplishments that this team accomplished just because they did it uh, in some, some pretty tough environments in, in some pretty unfortunate circumstances. They did a really good job. Yeah, and along with kind of the top teams in the IFL, I think they're relatively consistent a week in and week out. We saw them fluctuate in the coaches' poll from time to time, but that's mainly due to what the rest of the league was doing, not as far as how the Panthers, in my opinion, were playing. And the last few weeks of the season, I think that was reflected the consistency and competition, you know, and being right behind Frisco along with Arizona as the third best team, in my opinion, from start to finish this entire season. And that's how it's shaken out. And that's the way that, that things are looking right now. Now you get you got yourself a home game. It's interesting because, you know, if we're looking at the teams that gave the Bay Area Panthers the most trouble, I mean, immediately your mind goes to, okay, well, Frisco and Arizona. Hmm. Well, maybe the most glaring loss in their schedule this year, Mark, was in fact the first time that they played the Tucson Sugar Schools. You got to go all the way back to their third game of the season. I think that was week four on April 16th, a 34 to 30 loss at home. Their only loss at SAP Center this entire season. And they blew a 16 point lead early in that football game. Now they did get their revenge against Tucson later on. You go to the end of May on the 27th. They won on the road in close fashion down the stretch, um, being able to hold on to a 44-42 to 42 lead. Wasn't as close that game as the final score would, would reflect. The late touchdown from Tucson kind of shaved that deficit. Uh, but the Bay Area Panthers controlled that football game as they did the early portion of the first meeting between the two sides. But I think it'll be very interesting as we get into this to kind of look at how the Bay Area Panthers match up with Tucson, a Sugar Skulls team that has flown a little bit under the radar because of some of the factors that we've been talking about, which is the co the competitiveness of the Western Conference and then how top-heavy in general the IFL has been this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at Tucson's year. They started 3-0. and That third win was that win over Bay Area that you're referencing, 34-30 to in San Jose. And then they lost three games in a row, including kind of a weird one to San Diego in double overtime. They also lost on the road at Duke City. Not a terrible loss by any stretch, but a, a game that you would expect a playoff team like Tucson to win. So after a 3-0 start, they fell immediately back to 3-3. Three and three. Then they closed the season on a 6-3 and three stretch with losses to Bay Area, San Diego, and Vegas. So still, despite the fact that that they did close the season six and three. They still had a couple of kind of weird losses again, San Diego and Vegas, but they beat Duke city. They beat as well, Northern Arizona. Um, they also beat Vegas in that stretch as well before they later lost to them. So they've kind of had a topsy turvy season. They haven't really been that consistent. You mentioned Bay area for the most part, a, a pretty consistent season. There were some hiccups early, most notably that Tucson game that you're referencing. But after they kind of got through the the trials and tribulations of early season football, it's 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 not always easy, especially for Bay Area, who had really an entirely new group. And I know that's the case for a lot of these teams. You know, you don't sign multi-year contracts. Um, but a team like 
Arizona certainly has a ton more continuity on their roster than, say, Bay Area did leading into this year. So naturally, early year, you expect a, a bit of a feeling out process. But after that process, Bay Area was incredibly consistent. You can't say the same for Tucson. So the fact that that they beat Bay Area on the road, they lost to Bay Area at home, kind of fits the story of their season because they've had this, this up and down season, a lot of I don't know if inexplicable is the right word, but strange head scratching losses at times, but they've also picked up their fair share of really impressive wins, which on one side is encouraging if you're Bay area, because if you just catch them on one of their off days, you should be able to to pick up a win. But this is also a team who has been a, a lot better than their worst days pretty often and picked up some wins against really impressive opponents. So it's kind of difficult to to gauge where this team is right now, Tucson. I think you could probably make the case they're playing some of their best football of the year at this moment. They they did close strong to clinch that three seed in the West, um, but they have in their own right kind of had a strange season and, and they've got to be feeling pretty good that despite that, they're still in the playoffs in the West. Yeah, I mean, I still feel very good about the Bay Area Panthers and their chances to not only, you know, have a chance to host their first playoff game, but win their first playoff game in franchise history. But but Tucson is a team that, like anyone who gets into the postseason, cannot be overlooked. But but the way that they're constructed, Mark, I think is is interesting in the sense that they seem to be a pretty top heavy team. Now, this is one that is a top three rushing team in the IFL. But even with Ramon Atkins, uh, kind of a you know a dual threat, but a very proficient passer, top ten in terms of passing touchdowns this year. They don't really throw it a whole lot for yardage. They're I think bottom three in the league as far as total passing. The majority of their damage is done on the ground, and that's because of their franchise leader in just about every rushing category, Mike Jones. Uh, ben Jones is a great pass catching man out of the backfield. And then Atkins can also do some damage with his legs on the ground. So this is this is a rushing attack that the Barrier Panthers are absolutely going to have to hone in on. And with the way that their defensive line played the last, I would say, month of the season, I do feel encouraged, as well as, of course, how they showed themselves to be able to handle, maybe not keep totally in check, but contain the likes of Mike Jones and Ramon Atkins. And so I'm curious to see how this Barrier rushing attack and uh, one that you know, has dealt with, I would say if there's an area that they have dealt with injury or kind of um, rotations, players coming in and out the most outside of special teams, it might be that defensive line. And so that that is a not an area of weakness, but one area that they're going to have to be sure against Tucson because of how well they, they run the ball and how well they score on the ground. Yeah, no, 100%. I think something else to to keep an eye on for Bay Area is injuries. You remember back a little less than a month ago now, uh, they put players like Bill Atkins, Devon Grant, Amari Catchings all on short-term IR. Uh, well, Tavon Grant has since been taken off of short-term IR and activated. He was available the last two weeks. Same goes for Amari Catchings, but is Bay Area able to get – uh, Bill Atkins back. Uh, Jamarcus Means, I know, was just unfortunately placed on short-term IR uh, before the game that closed the regular season for Bay Area down in Duke City. So health obviously is going to be a factor. Can Bay Area get another key or, or two key players back? 
specifically, I think most notably, it is Bill Atkins. That's one to keep an eye on. Again, placed on short-term IR a little less than a month ago. Um, I don't have inside information on that. We will check in, and, and if we do learn anything, we'll, we'll of course, let everyone know. Um, and, and make sure to tune in on, on Sunday at 3, and, and we'll give you the, the injury update right off the bat on the broadcast. But that's something to keep an eye on as well. And I think specifically when you think about the defense, you mentioned the run game for uh, for Tucson's obviously a, a big part of their game. But where they can hurt you through the air, it's specifically to one player. Of the uh, 34 touchdown passes that Ramon Atkins has thrown this year, 21 of them have gone to Carrington Thompson. He has 855 receiving yards. No one else on that roster has more than 250. Um, Mike Jones, the starting running back, is the second leading receiver on this team. So Carrington Thompson is the go-to guy through the air. Um, Barry has faced a number of teams. San Diego stands out just from a couple of weeks ago who have incredible duos and trios of wide receiver the one thing Tucson does not have is that. They have one elite wide receiver, and he's incredible in Carrington Thompson. But if Bay Area maybe shades a couple of players his way and they can get away with that elsewhere on the field, that will lead them, uh, I think, to having a great chance in this game. Limiting Carrington Thompson is going to be a key, at least defensively through the air, because if you can stop that part of Tucson's offense – they don't really have a ton to rely on elsewhere through the air. And if you can make any offense in this league one-dimensional, specifically just on the ground, you're going to have a great chance to win a ball game, especially when you have an offense like Bay Area. When Dalton Sneed has been in games, when running back Justin Rankin has been in games, this offense has, for large stretches of the season, looked unstoppable. Yeah, and you mentioned those two guys who have absolutely been workhorses this year for the Bay Area Panthers. Justin Rankin, I believe, is with, has missed one game, and Dalton Sneed has missed two games, one for an illness and then one the end of the season due to precautionary reasons. So he has been out there whenever he has been able to be. Uh, two players that I expect to be in, in talks, in contention for end-of-season awards. Yeah. Justin Rankin, maybe Offensive Player of the Year, as well as Sneed. I think just because of the top-heavy quarterbacks in the league, Mark Sneed might, I think he'll get a, a sniff at the MVP, but I don't think he would be the pick. Um, but it's nothing to take away from him. He's been fantastic. He's been the most efficient passer of the football the entire season, and that is, to me, where the Bay Area Panthers absolutely have an unquestioned advantage over Tucson. Uh, Tucson does have a stout run defense, top five in the IFL. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be good enough to, you know, withstand uh, Justin Rankin, who appears to be destined for another All IFL selection. Thirty-six touchdowns leave all, lead all running backs this season uh, for Justin Rankin. But if you're talking about what Tucson does not do well, well, it's stop the pass. You know, I think thirteenth in the league this year. They do have Rasheed Hodge, who is one of the league leaders in interceptions. But outside of that kind of, you know, gamble in which they've been able to pick up ints and make some turnovers against their opponents. Um, Dalton Sneed, along with that now trio of wide receivers, which have really emerged throughout the season for Bay Area, of course, talking about Nye Jackson, JT Stokes is at the head of things, as well as Cottrell Haywood. Um, the passing game is where I expect Bay Area to separate and why I would believe that they can win this football game. 
Yeah, I mean, their their passing game has been incredible. I, I think it's funny, just going back to the, the Duke City game from this past weekend, again, Bay Area entered that game already knowing that they were locked into the two, so the result didn't really matter. Uh, as a result, not a heavy workload for Justin Rankin, uh, only six carries for three yards. Um, but guess what? Three touchdowns. He had three yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> that was the the game for Justin Rankin. I, I think maybe there was a, a concerted effort. You're talking about uh, end-of-season awards. Uh, Might have been a concerted effort for the Panthers just to, to up Justin Rankin's touchdown totals. I'm not so sure that a running back is in line to get Offensive Player of the Year in the IFL, a league that has such incredible uh, scoring numbers, specifically through the air, quarterbacks and wide receivers. However, uh, Justin Rankin will 100% be on an all-IFL team. First or second team, still TBD. Jimmy Robinson of Massachusetts has had a fantastic season as well. Has Rankin beat on yards um, and you know average per carry, but Rankin has everyone beat in terms of rushing touchdowns when it comes to running backs at least. Um, but you're, you're 100% right about the Panthers' passing attack. JT Stokes, Nye Jackson, and Catrell Haywood has quietly had a really good second half of the season. He was not with the team to begin the year, and he was kind of the featured guy this most recent week, I think partly because Bay Area wanted to make sure they spread things out a little bit, not want to overuse either JT Stokes or Nye Jackson. Catrell Haywood caught seven passes for 114 yards and a touchdown, including a 40-yard bomb. Um, so as a third wide receiver, you're not going to to find too many teams across the league who have a third guy better than Catrell Haywood. Now, San Diego, who we just saw, certainly one that does. Um, but Catrell Haywood, as your third wide receiver, is consistent, uh, has, has great hands. Not sure I've seen him drop a pass so far this year. Um, that's a, a fantastic third option for this Panthers offense. And for a guy like Dalton Sneed, who's only thrown three interceptions all year, he's going to put it on you. And these receivers have, have done great all year at, at just making sure they're not dropping passes. Uh, and when they do that, this offense is putting up 50, 60 points a week. So I'm with you. I, I would look at the passing offense against this Tucson defense as an opportunity uh, to, to lead this team to victory. They've done that time in and time out this season. I think this is another opportunity for them to show that again. Yeah, look, and if to, to me, if we're talking about keys to this playoff game, and again, you got your number two seeded Barrier Panthers hosting on July 23rd at 3.05 p.m. That's a Sunday. The three seeded Tucson Sugar Schools, 10 and 5 versus 9 and 6. Barrier hosts their first ever playoff game. They play their first ever playoff game in franchise history, and you can be there if you go and get some tickets at barrierpanthers.com. If you can, of course, we'll be airing it live on 95.7 the game. Uh, Evan Giddings and Mark Randy do all the home games. So I'm looking forward to that. But to me, Mark, if we're talking about keys, I really, I honestly, it's going to be cliche, but I think if the Panthers are even, even in the turnover battle, mm. this is a game. I do not believe I have a hard time seeing them losing because if you remember the first game that they played in which they went up 16, nothing midway through the second quarter, I think it was a blocked kick that ended up turning into a touchdown and then Tucson maximizing the two-for-one on the front end of the first half and the back end of that first half into the third quarter. That's how they got back into that football game, and it was due to some non-execution by the Barry Panthers. 
I think that if they take care of business, which to me they've demonstrated down the stretch of the season an ability to do, um, I I I think it's going to be really tough for Tucson to to walk into that building and win, despite the fact that they were actually a six and one road team and a three and five team at home. I know Tucson has played better on the road this year, but the Barry Panthers to me having now that that kicking position kind of secured by Craig Peterson, who, by the way, had a couple of deuces in that Duke City football game over the weekend. That's another weapon that they can deploy. Uh, The Bay Area Panthers, I believe, along with Frisco, were the only two teams in the league to have a top-five scoring offense and a top-five scoring defense. I think they're better across the board, and now it's just going to be about going out and proving it. Yeah, a couple of things about that first matchup where Tucson did overcome that 16-0 deficit and beat Bay Area. Uh, it was a, a Kevin Gessling field goal, the, the kicker for Bay Area at the time, that made it 16 nothing really early in the second quarter. Tucson embarks on a really, really long drive, eight plays, and it ended with a, a Wes Bowers interception uh, in his debut game for the Bay Area Panthers. And at that point, everyone inside of SAP, I know I was thinking this at the time, I was like, well, this is going to be a blowout. And then Bay Area gets all the way down to the Tucson two-yard line. Um, a fumbled snap by Sneed. They they fall on it. They recover it. It sends them back to the five. They can't convert. They try another field goal, and you were right. It got blocked. Uh, eventually, uh, Tucson goes down and turns it into a touchdown. Basically, as time expires in the first half, they get the ball back to begin the third and they score again, and suddenly you're looking at almost a brand-new ball game. So there was just a, a couple of really key moments in that game that Bay Area let, you know, things slip away. They tried to kick two field goals. They couldn't quite get into the end zone, which is what they've been so good at all year. They didn't really capitalize off a turnover forced by their defense, which they were so good at against San Diego. Every time the defense forced a turnover, they turned it into points. And then the other thing for Bay Area in that game, you mentioned Justin Rankin missed one game all season. This was that game. He did not play in Bay Area's third game of the year, the home loss to Tucson. It was Devin Wynn who filled in at running back who has since been released. Six carries for six yards on the ground for the starting running back for Bay Area. I guarantee you Justin Rankin will have more than six yards on the ground in this one. He has been a machine for the Panthers, Tucson did see him in Tucson, the game that Bay Area won, and, and Rankin, like always, was key to that one. Um, but Bay Area's loss to Tucson, I know we kind of offhand always reference it as, well, Rankin wasn't there for that game. If he was there, it would have been a win. Probably true. It's easy to say that. Um, but Bay Area, of course, was not at full strength for that game. And it, it probably would not have been a loss if Rankin did play. So important to note that. Uh, because all signs point towards Rankin being a full go and uh, and ready to send the Panthers onto the conference finals on Sunday as, as he gears up to play against Tucson again. Yeah, and that game sparked a bit of juice for the Barry Panthers because at that point they were one and two. Then they go on to win three in a row, lose a game by a point, win three more after that, including arguably the biggest win of the season over Frisco. 
uh, at home. And so the Barry Panthers are hoping that now in the playoffs at home, they can came, that they can come up with their biggest win of the season. And that's going to be on Sunday, July 23rd at 3.05 from SAP Center. If you can't make it in person by purchasing tickets at BarryPanthers.com, please listen live on 95.7 The Game. We will have the call. Uh, this is a game that I cannot wait for that I'm looking forward to. It's going to be electric if the crowd is anywhere close, and I expect it to be much more than it was in the final home game of the year. It is going to be a raucous atmosphere that you do not want to miss out on, and I cannot wait until Sunday gets here. Yeah, one other thing. So Barry is playing on Sunday. Uh, It's the last postseason game of round one, and in fact, the only game being played on Sunday. The other three are on Saturday. So Bay Area will know, of course, you still have to win your game to get to the next round, but Bay Area will know if they are able to pull out a win, who their next opponent will be, and if they have a home game again or not, or if they'll be going on the road. Because the other matchup in the West, as you mentioned off the top, is Arizona against Northern Arizona. If Northern Arizona pulls off an upset of the one seed, Bay Area handles business against Tucson. The Western Conference final would be inside of SAP Center as well. So Bay Area... I'm not sure it's a gigantic advantage. You are at a disadvantage the following week if you get there because you have one fewer day to to rest and prepare. Um, But Bay Area will know what awaits them ahead of time uh, if, if they are to, of course, knock off Tucson. And they hope to do that in the Western Conference semifinals. Your two-seeded Bay Area Panthers hosting the number three Tucson Sugar Schools. We'll have it live on 95.7 The Game, but that's going to wrap up this edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Win or lose, we will be back next week. We hope it's after a win so we can recap that one along with ideally talk about Bay Area's next home game, but if not, potentially against Arizona or Northern Arizona. Either way, we'll be back to talk about it and Hopefully, talk about a win, Mark, because I think the Panthers can get it done. I know they believe that, and uh, it's going to take a lot from Tucson to walk into that building and walk out with a victory. So the Buried Panthers will get ready again. It all goes down at 3.05 Pacific time, July 23rd, Sunday. That's this weekend. Be there by getting your tickets at BarryPanthers.com. If you cannot, please listen on 95.7 The Game. That'll wrap it up for this Bay Area Panthers pod. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. 